Inspire Instructor Podcast, where the learning never stops. Welcome you wonderful people to today's episode of Inspire Instructor Training Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest lined up, Let's Instructs, Andrew Love. Andrew has a wealth of experience and he shares that, he shares that knowledge with us today. Um, we discussed road safety and our competency for today was, was the teaching style suited to the pupil's learning style and current ability? Don't forget to hang around till the end for Andrew's top tip. I just want to take a moment to talk to you about Inspire Instructor Trainings workshops. We've called the workshops We're Only Human. Now this is because we want to dig into the human side of training learners, remembering that we have someone coming to learn with us that with at least 17 years of life experiences and we discuss how we handle those experiences in relation to helping them become an, a safe driver on the road. So if you're interested in the workshop, please head over to inspireinstructortraining.com for more details. So I would like to welcome today from Let's Instruct um, Academy Partnership, sorry, um, I'll, I'll let you t um, explain it a little bit more. Um, um, so yeah. a well-renowned and, and experienced trainer, been in the industry for I don't know how, how long, but it um, seems like forever. 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. yeah so yeah welcome welcome andrew andrew love and yeah so um january 19 uh sorry january 2004 2004 not not much before actually i was um so i was 2000 2006 so a yeah. couple, couple yeah. of years on me um yeah i always remember because of the year my daughter was born um so it's like 17 all right yeah and then i taught i taught her to drive yeah. this, this last month end of last year um so it's got I, I always kind of joke that effectively it was 17 years worth of training to for, ready to teach her to drive <laughs> <laughs> well i taught both my wife and my daughter to drive uh and i have to say it was the most wonderful experience you could ever have uh helping them acquire uh new skills um yeah and of course back in those days um we had the uh, we had to do briefings exactly uh, yeah so what I I did because uh, I, I just let her try stuff out which is linked to the topic that we're going to do today but I just thought we'd not done the emergency stop so I I thought I'm going to do a proper briefing that would in the old system that would um, that would get me uh, a grade six. And uh, so I, I I got her to talk about it. I went through the whole of the uh, briefing, uh, asked her uh, um, um, a few questions. She said, Dad, can we get on? I'm bored now. And this links really nicely to was the teaching style suited to the two pupils' learning style and current ability. Yeah, and no, absolutely. And, and in yeah. a way that that entire interaction kind of shows why it was important to change uh, the way the way we, we we did it as instructors um actually this wasn't going to be my question and we'll get on to that in a minute but I, i'm i'm intrigued this because of the experience that i had teaching my daughter did you when you were teaching your, your wife and, and daughter uh, teach them in any like different to maybe how you were teaching your your, your other learners um in, in any way like I, I i know from my experience teaching my daughter there was an i, I 
I feel like I do this with all my learners, but there was just this added little bonus of like, it's my daughter. I need her to be safe on the road. And and you want all your pupils to be safe on the road. But I think there was an element of that little bit extra. Like I really, really, really want her to be safe on the road. Did you have any sort of differences yeah. there? So the difference was I, I'm a great believer um, in whatever we do that you've got to just keep practicing yeah it's what i call bumming seat time you've got to just keep driving and driving and driving and so with both my wife and my daughter if we wanted some milk we drove to the shop if we didn't want some milk we drove to the shop bought the milk brought it back home and then drove back again so we could get a refund on the milk it was just getting them drive as much as we possibly can and um it 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 was a bit different because they were um because they were exposed to the driving for so much longer that and it didn't cost them anything so it didn't matter um they were just learning all of the time so i didn't exactly give them a, a specific number of lessons or or things like that but what we did do um was were very much on the basis of well how how did that feel yeah what sort of what sort of things what do you think you could do differently yeah um because i was determined that we would not fall out while we were doing it and um it actually with my wife was when i first taught my wife it was about 18 months in and um she just picked things up really quickly. You know, in spite of me being her instructor, she was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes as trainers, we forget that people can learn themselves, learn by trying, learn by playing. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions I often ask is, um, uh, um, how did the inventor of the car teach them to drive themselves to drive because they never had driving instructors yeah and i use that philosophy really try and yeah. uh, help them yeah I, I i think i agree and and in, interesting with my my daughter i had a similar experience with the the real life experiences were important and so it was she went to go and view a university um and i was like well you're definitely doing yeah. that drive uh, um and so yeah, she drove yeah. us <clears throat> a couple of hours down the motorway and and yeah. or we went to watch some fireworks in like a 40 minute 40 minutes away in a city and and she drove at night it was busy because everyone else was going to see the fireworks through the city yeah. I'm like this is this is what we need to be doing with our learners it, obviously that's quite hard to, to sort of kind of re recreate with a learner like a friday evening at a fireworks but but you can do certain you can do similar stuff with with, with learners definitely yeah i'm just i'm just picking that up because um uh i taught a lovely uh a lovely uh lady um uh last year and um her boyfriend was in a barracks near melton mowbray and um she was finding it a bit difficult at, at times, but um, she said, because we were talking about where he was, and she said, well, that's only about 40 minutes away. And she said, can we drive there? I said, of course we can. We can't do it this week. 
but we can do it next next week. So you need to go and find the route. Yeah. So you go and tell me which route is. We've got the sat nav, so we can do it on the sat nav as well. But you tell me what the route is. Yeah. So we did it. Um, the following week. And after that, all of a sudden, she got a lot better because she it was something for a, a little goal that she wanted. Yeah. And then so much so about three months later, about six weeks before a test, she said, um, it's my grandma's birthday today. Can I drive and see her? Yeah, of course you can. Let's go. And she knocked on the door and her grandma said, what are you doing? How did you get here? She <laughs> said, I drove here. Yeah. Yeah. If, no. we, if we can allow them the flexibility to learn the way that they want to and make it personal to them, we'll be a lot more successful at what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree. And, and you can. <laughs> You can find those moments in nearly every people you've got uh, of those mm. those those journeys, and it it it's also like it's not just the fact that they they learn in in that time. It also means that when they so when that pupil that you've got passes her test, she's now no longer worried about those two journeys that maybe were quite big achievements for her. If you've just taught her around where near where the test center is, great, she passes the driving test. But then her biggest now concern is like, I've got to drive 40 minutes to go and see my boyfriend or got to drive however long yeah. to go and see my, yeah. my, my gran. And, and then it becomes this big deal where she's done it with you. It, it's just like, well, I've done it before. I'm fine. I can do this. And and so it takes away that sort of kind of fear post test. Um, this kind of links me into my question that I was going to um, ask you and our, our sort of kind of discussion point that I want to go through before we move on to the competency. Um, I've seen you at a couple of like road safety events in in the last and and you I, I say in the last year but I mean you've you've been going to them for years, um and I saw you post about one recently that you went to so you're quite big on sort of kind of going to these sort of kind of road safety events that not necessarily many instructors go to um it tends to be sort of kind of fire brigade and 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 that sort of kind of sector that 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 attends these things. So my question is, is for you is, is what maybe could instructors or the industry be doing more to interact with road safety or 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 improve road safety like on the road? The reason that I go to a lot of these events and a lot of them are road safety GB events um, and the VR event we met at, the virtual reality event that we met at, um, we are strategically very important in road safety. There are very few road safety professionals that get as much time with uh, as we do with clients. Yeah. And, th and that doesn't matter whether you're uh, teaching learners, um, teaching, uh, working with full license holders, um, training ADIs. Okay. We're in the business of road safety. So if we don't listen to these people, if we don't find out what they're doing, how can we relate the information that we're, that we're teaching to what's happening in the real world? Yeah. So the VR conference, that was my second year that I was at the VR conference. And 
um, VR, virtual reality, is likely to be become more uh, um, more widely used in driver training, particularly as the uh, the cost of the equipment and everything um, uh, 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 gets cheaper. People are going to want to try things to to get their learning experience, improve their learning experience, but also get through um, uh, in a cheaper way because costs are very uh, are high and so they should be. But if we don't understand what products are available, how can we best serve our clients? Yeah. And the Road Safety GB conference, um, which is a, a great conference every year, it is a bit expensive, but it gets me in front of those academics. It gets um, gets me in front of the people that are trying the stuff out. Yeah. So last year when I was at the Road Safety GB conference, I was sitting next to Liz Box. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, when and and uh leanne parkinson the dvsa policy manager um yeah so i would you mix in with those people you get into understand exactly what's going on and as an example of this we talk about the highway code the hierarchy to the highway code now i'm a bit older than you uh phil um and i was never taught to knock a pedestrian over when I learned to drive. We, it, we, apparently it was a no-no. Yeah. <laughs> Frowned upon. So, yeah. So why has the hierarchy uh, changed in the highway code? Well, actually, the emphasis, there's more emphasis on it. But if we think about where did this start? So about 10 or 15 years ago, the government wanted to get people more active and at the road safety gb conference i can't remember if it was year one or year two we had people from the nhs come in to talk about getting people getting people more active yeah so now uh what uh, and so, so they tried they had a big initiative they put lots of money in getting cycleways uh bridle paths more uh, cycle paths yeah, uh, encouraging people to walk to school and things like that. But when they did the research, um, one of the things that they found was that people didn't want to cycle, they didn't want to walk, they didn't want to ride their horse because they was they were concerned that the uh, uh, car drivers, the lorry drivers, the vehicle drivers didn't really take them into account. So if you think about that, the research was done by the academics, yeah, to get us more active. They put some pilots in, they developed the systems, and then what happened, They re uh, uh, obviously they review it and they look at the things that were stopping the, the interventions working. Now, if you think about the hierarchical changes from there, uh, the, the, the hierarchy, the changes to the highway code, you now start to understand, you have a better understanding of why they've come about. That's why it's important to engage with the wider, wider road safety uh, uh, fraternity. 
Yeah, so that sense. It, it, it really does. Um, and it's definitely something mm. that I, I'm I'm starting to see it bubble a little bit more within the industry. It should it should be at the forefront. Um, but yeah. it, I, I like I sort of get why it isn't because we're never trained to do that sort of kind of stuff. We're never it's not talked about. Um and like you said, quite often it's expensive. Um, so I, I can see see that sort of kind of thing. But maybe it is a case of um, certain people within the industry doing that, and then it filters down and and trickles down. Um, the Terry Cook is starting to do quite a lot around this. Um, certainly in his next season of his podcast. So I think that for anybody sort of kind of listening, that's quite it would be quite an interesting. He's hoping to try and be that bridge, like between that industry between the industry and let it filter filter through. Um, so I think yeah, go and listen to listen to Terry. Um, and and filter through. But I definitely. Terry actually asked the question on his um on his Facebook the other day about um he was going off to meet some people from from the the wider world uh, of road safety and how they could like how what how could driving instructors be more um involved in that or how do we see ourselves being more involved in that and I think you you sort of kind of nailed it on the head and it, it was my response to him actually as well which was what other sort of kind of road safety professionals get the opportunity to spend that long with with a driver like there's no mm-hmm. like they, there's no like the fire brigade go and do their presentations and the police go and do their presentations and they get they get maybe two hours at tops with a hundred people rather than us having 40 50 hours with one person and and so we have mm-hmm. the ability to really influence road safety um and we, and we uh, the, the way i described it is we're the front line of, of road safety yeah, like, if we do yeah. our jobs properly yeah. they don't mm. need to do their jobs because <laughs> we prevented it we're the prevention but it's uh, very definitely uh um it, it's very definitely but it's not just um learners so next week i'm delivering a driver assessors course so um so i'm working with somebody to uh become a driver assessor we're going to look at their uh uh driving skills to start off with and then we're going to look at their assessing skills so this and i've i've got a two day session with this person so this here is now building we're starting to reach out all of a sudden and a lot of people uh, see driving instructors working with learners there's a lot of opportunities to work with full license holders yeah um, and get their buy-in yeah so there were, I was working with a a, a project uh, director at a very large company a couple of months ago about six months ago and we started talking about phones and having the discussions about phones. Now, I was just leading the conversation and at no point did I say to him, you can't use the phone. But he said, I've got to reduce the amount of phones, phone uh, time I'm on the phone. Bang for books, yeah? And it goes back to this bit here. Was the teaching style suited to the pupil's learning style and current ability? So there, where I was talking with that gentleman, I was asking him about his day. I was asking him about what is what's what's happening. What would what usually happens? 
yeah and then all of a sudden because it was worked that way we then uh, uh we then were able to come up with a solution that was bespoke to him um so yeah we're going to talk about our um competency for this week then so our our competency this week is was the teaching style suited to the pupils learning style and current ability um so yeah andrew do you want to give us your opinion on that yeah so here with any of these competencies you've got to look at the important words and you've got to break them down because there's more than one meaning to this so the first thing is what's the teaching style okay so we've got to think about teaching styles the next one was uh, uh suited to the pupils learning style okay so we've got to think about their learning style and finally the current ability yeah so let's think about teaching style first of all okay so we we all uh teach in a particular way and we're all um used to uh working uh, in a particular way and um, and what we have to recognize is that sometimes pupils don't learn in the way that we uh that we do yeah so when i was at school um <clears throat> many years ago 59 i know i don't look it don't laugh that much uh 59 um, it was very much the teacher told you what they were going to learn. Yeah. Um, and they did it in a particular way that suited them. Yeah. Now, I was dyslexic at school and I still am dyslexic, but they did. They uh, um, they didn't diagnose with my dyslexia. Um, uh, uh, and I didn't know until I did a, a foundation degree in education. But so there. Um, uh they weren't taking what I did or, or what my teaching, my my learning style, okay, into account. Um, at that time, I was always like, why is it, or why is it me? Why do I always have to work really hard to learn stuff? Whereas my brother doesn't, he learns it dead easy, yeah? Um, and what I had to do to ensure that I was learning properly was break things down into teeny tiny pieces. Yeah. Of course, they didn't really understand that back in those days. Yeah. Um, about how to do it. And I was all I always had to do it. So experiential learning. Yeah. Uh, always had to give it a go. And then I'd work it out from there. Yeah. But if so, what I have to be very careful of is because um, I uh, what I have to be careful of is I don't force that onto my uh, onto onto my customers. And although saying that um, I'm a kinesthetic learner, a doer, when I did my cert ed, Okay, I actually learn that sometimes I have to read stuff and I have to read it three or four times. And then I have to highlight. So some of the notes I've made here, I highlight in pen. Yeah. So then, so my learning style changed dependent on what I was doing. 
and I'm also I also like watching videos. So uh, I'm 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 good at do. Sorry, I do do at DIY. If my wife was listening, she would definitely say I'm not good at it. <laughs> but I use YouTube videos, uh, and when I do anything, you know, with uh, our courses and stuff like that, I watch YouTube videos. Get to that certain point, and then and so my learning style changes. Um, for what I'm doing. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have to be very careful that I don't teach one particular way and explore it with people. So the, I've talked really the teacher teaching style, the pupil styles. Now, I want to just talk about the current ability. So the current ability, what does that actually mean? So it's on the day. So, for example, I was working with somebody a few weeks ago and this particular person, they're coming up to test really great. They're doing really, really well. Then, th the, then this week they got in the car and their ability, oh. something had changed. So here I had to find out what the barrier to the learning was. Because at that current moment in time, her uh, the current uh, the, their current ability wasn't the same as it was previously. So and um, it turns out that uh, the person had had um, uh, uh, some quite bad news, okay, um, uh, and they needed to um, have some treatment. Uh, and that was what was playing on their mind. So this is not just about understanding the way people learn. The current ability can be affected by what's going on in their life at this moment in time. Absolutely. And the examiners, um, if, if we obviously that you're talking like day to day life uh, lessons there and, and that absolutely affects your day to day lessons it's interesting here if we talk about part three and standards check though that i think the examiners have a bit of an advantage on this one with that current ability thing because they have no preconceptions of the pupil's current ability so they're they're literally seeing their current ability whereas an instructor mm -hmm. might be sort of a bit like oh wait a minute you don't normally do this and then maybe brush over something because they don't normally yeah. do it um and actually you need to be teaching the pupil that is there on the day in that moment and and so yeah absolutely i think it, it, it can it gets yeah. and, and I, you see that on facebook and stuff we go well how does the examiner know my pupil like that's all i know my pupil but actually in that moment they i think the examiner knows your current pupil in a way better that's a, actually that's a really great uh, uh, way of putting it. The current pupil. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> the, so what's actually happening at the time, and and this is all about um, task demand, yeah. Uh, and this is why you see it in the back of the test sometimes. And I didn't teach you that. I I didn't teach you to pull out like that. And the examiner looks at you didn't teach it honestly yeah yeah, yeah. but th th this is all about what's going on at the current time yeah uh, and i dare say uh most of us have been uh, uh instructors for more than five or six years will notice in um 
probably uh, when the time of mocks or uh, A levels are going, all of a sudden they start doing stuff. What's happened? What 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 what's going on? And that's because something else is happening at that time, and that changes their current ability. This is we were talking about uh, mixing with road safety professionals. This is a perfect time to talk to people about, okay, what's going on then? Okay, so how are you feeling? Yeah. So let's think about this. Once you pass your test, when else might you be feeling this anxious, this stressed, or uh, concerned about what's about to happen? Yeah. And it could be job interviews, all sorts of things. Yeah. And you can start helping them develop strategies to deal with this. And they're all going to have their own strategy. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to be very similar, to be honest, but we can help them build their own strategy. Um, and that will help them. As in in there, it talks about uh, um, offering a range of options for teaching. Yeah. So um, and discussion is part of them demonstration yeah uh, uh those sort of things yeah it's interesting actually in that section there where it says about the range of options because it says um this might be demonstrated over the over a short because obviously the, the standards check in the part three is a short section of of learning yeah. and, it, and it sort of implies that you can only demonstrate that by doing it you would only do that because it's a short session but actually going back to what you were saying about how you learn different things in different ways and i i actually interestingly did a zoom on this um last night and, and we were talking about this and it's it should always be the case that we're offering different options not just on the standards checking the part three session because like you were saying earlier the learners learn like you were saying you learn different things in different ways and the same with learners so I, I was the same when you were saying that it's like if I wanted to learn how to make changes on my website I wouldn't read an article I'd watch a video um but mm -hmm. if I wanted to dig into I don't know maybe coaching skills or something like that I'd probably listen to a podcast because I, that's mm -hmm. the way I like to sort of kind of take that in um and yeah, so you learn different things in different ways. And I think that applies to driving. So a pupil who, and this is why I don't necessarily love the whole, you can send out a um, a learning style questionnaire to someone <clears throat> to learn their learning <laughs> styles because, because <laughs> I, I, it, it just put pigeonholes them in, in a way into like one yeah. type of learning style. And I think you know, like yeah. a learner might learn roundabouts in a different way to how they would want to learn reversing. Like reversing, quite often people want to give it a go or maybe watch a video. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. whereas maybe roundabouts, they want a bit more information first. It, it just like, it depends on. And yeah. I'm obviously like it, there could be many options here, but I do think there's an element there of just because your pupil has shown you one learning style one week doesn't mm -hmm. mean that next week when you're learning something else or even the same thing. They, they might want to try a different learning style and see what suits them on that day. Yeah, well, learning styles um, are all about uh, um, what's happening at the time. So, um, I, I, and lots of people are multi-modular. Mm -hmm. So they will be kinesthetic. They will be uh, 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 reader writers. 
uh yeah they will uh they will sometimes want to be audible they just want to listen or visual learners yeah now we all do that in lots of different uh, in uh, lots of different times so um one of the things is garners multiple uh, uh multiple learning styles have a look at that because it goes to uh it explores a lot more of the way we learn and a classic example with this was i was teaching a a, a young lady um <clears throat> about 10 or 12 years ago now and she could play she could play no end of instruments uh and she learned music dead easy um and uh, but she was struggling with the car so i just i just said you know how do you learn to play if you were to learn to play a new instrument tomorrow what would you do and so she talked it through and um i said well why don't you treat the car as a musical instrument she got it because i was speaking her, her language yeah the learner is an expert in the way that they do things yeah um it's the same as if you're working with people with uh, additional needs uh adhd or uh on the spectrum they understand they're an expert in their condition so don't you tell them what uh, what they should be doing with their condition use use what they know and you're an expert in understanding the rules of the road the way we do things etiquette of driving and things like that so you use them to marry it together and i just think that's really important one of the things here it says in the uh, uh in the competency it's impossible to for to force learning on a pupil and uh um this uh uh this was um when i was looking at learning styles uh it was you can only ever facilitate uh, a learner you can never teach them directly yeah uh and um i think this is very really important for everybody to remember you you can create an environment for learning but what you can't do is force that learning on them yeah and and, and it has to be the right environment for for that people yeah. like like we've talked mm. the um yeah just going back to your you're talking about the adhd and and, and autism spectrum it I, I quite often get asked like how do how do i how do i deal with someone with 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 these these conditions or special educational needs and my first answer is the same way you should be doing with all of your pupils because yeah um, I, I remember listening to it on um and i've talked about this before on the podcast uh, there's a um another podcast called send podcast um and it's if you're oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you're dealing with lots of people with special education needs it's a great podcast to listen to because you'll get lots of is like that, tips. is that julia is that julia uh no no it's um no he's not not they're not instructor related um i can't remember the guy uh, who runs it terry had him on one of his uh, terry, uh cook had him on on one of his webinars and that's what kind of led me to it but yeah some podcast is a really good one to listen to but the, the 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 episode i was listening to they had a um it, they were talking about education like in schools and how they have um senko like send coordinate like send coordinators yeah. at schools yeah. And and they were talking about how in that scenario, if you have a 
a, a pupil at the, the with special education needs you put all these special ways in to, to sort of kind of help them learn and and let them express their learning in their way and stuff like that and he was saying why didn't they just do that for everyone <laughs> like and and that's kind of like how it should be like if 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 i get someone who has adhd autism in my car uh, that I don't do anything different because the thing I would do with every pupil I had was find out what works for them. And and that and the, the issue can be whether it's special educational needs or not, that you don't want to label them with this is how you're going to learn because mm. they they learn everything in their own way. And if you say, well, a person with all this will work for a person with autism, like that everyone's individual. And so you have to kind of dig into that. How does that person learn? And like you said you, um, earlier, that they are an expert in them, and and that's all you get. Whenever you get into the car, that they are the expert in the car. I get that we we have the road the road knowledge, um, but they're the ones that that will give you the answers to the to these questions, and 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 not so you can't like put your and I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that instructors make is is we're creatures of habit, so we want to teach. <laughs> Like you teach one way and then you yeah. go, oh, that worked for my last pupil. So it'll probably work here and that sort of thing. And like you said, right at the start, like you have your, um, so with the dyslexia and stuff, you prefer to like watch a video and stuff. And, and it's be careful to not assume that that's just the best way because it works for you. Uh, it just happens yeah. to be the best way for you. Um, and so, yeah, definitely having these conversations is like right from the start right from the start like how how are we going to learn this it is is so crucial yeah. with the pupils when if uh when people see me uh speak they'll often hear me say uh people learn in spite of me being their trainer yeah yeah um because they will learn um and creating the right environment for them to uh think about what they're doing is very important and this uh this is where coaching comes in but you don't always have to coach yeah um simple little questions like uh talk to me about your uh um speed choice yeah so what we're doing now is getting the information out of them for why they've made that choice now as a trainer that is really important for me to understand. Have they considered that choice? Have they considered that speed? Or was it just a lucky guess? Because if they've considered it, I want to know exactly what they've done. And this was an example um, uh, a number of years ago, probably about 15 years ago now, uh, 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 a young lady uh I, I work in Kettering and, and Northamptonshire um, and she came down from Sheffield uh, to to have driving lessons with me. And we were driving along the road to the, the uh, uh, test centre, uh, Doddington Road, and she said to me, look at all these curbs and potholes, because it was an industrial estate. And uh, she said... Um, I'm going to slow down. Okay, so tell me about why. And uh, she said, "Would I be failed on the test for that?" Well, if you're if you're not expressing a reason, then how does the examiner know? Anyway, she did this on the test, and the examiner came running over to me, running over and said, "Andrew, Andrew, 
I, if she hadn't talked to me about the reason she was traveling at that speed, there would have been, she would have had an error. But I couldn't argue with the reason. Yeah. So if, if we can draw that stuff out, and often it's about asking the right question. Yeah. Um, listening for the answer. Um, uh, and then asking a follow-up question based on the answer, listening for the answer again, and then a third question. So I use a three-question rule, because if, if they're not going to get it by three, you need to tell them, yeah? Um, uh, uh, and draw it out with them. Get that. So it's it's not necessarily so I understand what they mean. They need to understand what they mean, Yeah because it's them that has got to make that driving choice based on their understanding of what's happening at the time. Yeah. I quite like that little free question rule. Um, I think I've talked to P to PDIs about that. Yeah. Maybe not, I've not called it a rule, but I like, I like the idea of the, you, that you, ha you have to ask these free questions. I, I think I've challenged people to do that before, actually. Interestingly, I think then, would you then start that again? So if, if what I mean by that is, so say you've asked your three questions to try and get the information yeah. out of people, then you've had to give the information. I think I would then start again with three more questions. So based on what information I've just given you, what do, what's your analysis of that? Or give me some advantages yeah. and disadvantages of that. So you start again, like getting them to process the information yeah. you've given them. So there, um, it depends on the situation, of course, but what, what we, what we, probably we wanting to do is um uh re-deliver whatever they've done so for example if they were too fast uh, a roundabout and we determine that and then um because always traditionally it's been what's the consequences um what's the uh uh, uh analyze it what the consequences are but when they've corrected it there's no, they never mention benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we need to do is begin, because it's simple behavioral change techniques, we need to put the benefits in. So that changes the way that they, uh, uh, changes the way that they do things because we think about the consequences first. And then we put the benefits of modifying their behavior. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's also an element there of if you're giving someone some information, it's it's difficult for them to recall that. Whereas if you get them to analyze what you have just given them and and mm. dissect it and and come up with pros and cons, um, they it's gonna stick because they've 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 yeah. fought through it. And so it's not it's not a case of it. And I talked about this uh, recently, but it, on the podcast, but it's just yeah, it's not a case of them having to remember what you've said and so you're not going to have that oh, I, to I told you that last week sort of kind of thing um because it will have it will have stuck um i think this also kind of links to one of the um positives on this <clears throat> um competency positives the examiners are looking for which is linking theory to to um to practice and i think the finding yeah. that balance on, on on a session is is really important that we're not we're not necessarily not that you shouldn't be sat at the side of the road because I think that's where the, the these great conversations happen, but we need to remember it's a practical skill. And so therefore at some point we need to go and put that into 
put it out on the road and 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 put it into practice yeah, yeah. and you were saying that with like you you've then got to go and do it again and 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 i think mm-hmm. i see that when i'm sat in car in the car we, we the conversation will happen and then we'll just drive off and move on um and, and i'm like no no you need to go and do that again and and that's yeah, where yeah. learning takes place when you experience it and so you've you've got to go and put that experience in 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 again yeah, yeah. experiential learning. Yeah. uh uh colb but he wants to look at that k-o-l-b um colb has got a, a a great um look up there you can see all the uh, the diagrams uh, and you can see the understanding of that uh, experiential learning is another um, uh, cycle as well. Uh, those sort of things that we, um, what stands out for me is that everybody says you learn to drive when you've passed your test. So that's not quite true because you're, when you're learning to drive, you're sowing the seeds of behavior, yeah? And you're starting to get people to think about what on earth they are doing, yeah? And how are they going to do that safely? And what happens with, as after they've passed the test, their risk starts to reduce with the more experience that they get. So if they're... Um, if because of the experience their risk is being reduced and it does mean that they are learning as they're driving and they're learning independently but what we have to do as road safety professionals is give them a solid foundation for that learning to take place and that's one of the reasons why we should be encouraging them to think what went well what didn't go so well uh, what are we going to do differently the greatest question they can ever ask is how did that feel? Yeah. Get them to think about how that felt. So we're encouraging them to take ownership because, and that's one of the indicators of competence, encouraging and helping the people to take ownership of learning uh, the learning process, because what's happening here is if we don't, when that, a uh, 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 young driver approaches that country road at midnight and the bend too fast they won't recognize what it feels like so they'll just keep doing it again but if you recognize it feels uncomfortable then they can do something about it yeah because we're building those uh, uh, self-assessment skills that- that phrase where you that you mentioned there of um, you start learning you learn to drive after you pass your test it's one of those ones that it, it sort of kind of gets my beef because I, I partly I think what the hell are you paying me for um, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to learn after but like you just said I think with a I, I actually think possibly the most important skill you can teach a pupil um, is that ability to self-analyze because you talked about mm. gain experience um, as you get as and 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 that's how we learn but actually we only learn from experience if we analyze it and so how many drivers mm. do you see out there that have years of experience that are potentially worse than when they were learning mm. to drive because what they have done is they've they've gained experience but haven't learned from those experiences or in a way sometimes have learned to drive worse from those experiences because nothing bad happened that time 
and and then they so, learn from that and yeah. go and they repeat they, they keep repeating it so it, it's so important that we saw this is really it. important because in um uh the driver awareness schemes um uh you often get people who are, uh, have been speeding uh on a road they've been doing 38 39 on the same road for years and years and years and nothing happens yeah so what they're doing that's positive reinforcement i can do this because i've been saved previously yeah but what they don't understand or what they can't see are they safe because of their skill or are they safe because others have recognized the dangers of what's gone on or what's happening and have taken evasive action so if they if they don't recognize that somebody's taken as evasive action then all of a sudden okay they think they that's their skill that uh, uh, that's achieved that and that isn't correct yeah so that's what we need to analyze yeah i i've tried to have that conversation with my friend um this this week because he was giving me a lift somewhere and was not the most pleasurable pleasurable drives um and and i think that was exactly his issue that he was driving around thinking he was the bee's knees putting yeah. like, lots of risky situations high speeds um and what he isn't realizing is that exactly that and i had that conversation with him is that other people are avoiding you and that's why what you're doing is what what yeah. that's why you're getting yeah. away with it and all it takes is one person yeah. to not have not have avoided you and, and you're going to be in a in in a mess yeah so and one of the ways that i i work with people about the uh, like this so um if um so often when it's a a, a right corner cut okay uh i'll talk to them about okay so um uh do you know what happened there yeah have you uh have you ever been in a car when uh uh whether you've been driving or or being driven and somebody does a corner cup and you're going the other way oh yeah how did it make that driver feel what did they do they get cross etc etc they get angry okay um would you want uh, so if you were driving that car that did the corner cut, would you want others to feel that way about you? Yeah. So what we're doing, we're now putting them in the third party. So we ask, well, how did that make the driver feel? How did that make you feel? Cross, angry, uh, frustrated. Okay. So let's think about that now. You're back in the car that, that's cut the corner. Somebody's coming towards you. Would they? Would you want them to feel that way about you as you felt about that driver does that make sense yeah no definitely yeah <clears throat> so we're now putting them into the third party yeah um just coming back to the 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 competency here there's there's one that i wanted to just discuss here on the things that things that like not to do um so um concentrate yeah. on delivering teaching tools rather than looking into looking for learning outcomes and I think this sometimes can come up in uh, scaling is quite a good example of this, actually, where yeah, yeah. BDI has maybe heard that scaling might be a good thing to do and it will show some sort of show, show that I can do this thing. And then they go and do it and maybe not quite get it right. 
But the point is, is they're doing scaling because they think they should do scaling rather than scaling because on this particular moment, the scaling makes sense to have a conversation with the pupil. So it's not yeah. always a, like scaling isn't always a good thing. And yet sometimes it's a brilliant thing, but it's about the point. The point is, is you're you're sat there with the learner thinking, how can I get this conversation going? How can I get learning out of this conversation? And you think, oh, scaling would work for this. I'm going to try and have a conversation around using scaling or a mind map might work for this. Um, yeah. But what I'm saying is that you're not going, oh, I've, I've, I've been on a course about mind maps. Therefore, I'm going to do a mind map regardless of the scenario. And I think that's something to be careful with when you're particularly PDIs, I think, where you're, you're going into this sort of having like just a little bit of knowledge about each thing and just thinking I need to put this into my into my part three on my standards check so I think uh sometimes it's the scale that we use mm -hmm. so common scaling is on a scale of one to ten brilliant okay but is that personal and is that personal to that to the receiver yeah, yeah. Uh, so it might be let's compare that with what we've what we did 20 minutes ago where are you now compared with what we're 20 that's a scale Absolutely. yeah yeah it might be yeah do, do you follow football yeah i do yep i'm an arsenal fan oh flipping <laughs> it. I'm, I'm a spurs fan oh no so we're in the podcast yeah <laughs> So it might be a bit difficult to to answer this question. Uh, uh, what's the best game that Arsenal have played in the last in the in the last season? What's their best game? Who was it against? But to be honest, maybe Let's maybe actually this. maybe last week against Liverpool um, was probably yeah <coughs> a season change. Okay, yeah. So so what was the reason that that was a, a great game? So it's interesting because because it was it was. Um, hmm it was probably less about the football and more about the, the event in the season. It, it was, it was, we needed the win. If that makes sense. It, like you lose that game and then the, start of the season's over. So they put okay. importance on that. So it was important for the season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's think about the worst game. This should be fairly easy to, to, to work out what your worst game was. Um, Cause oh, loads of them, don't you? <laughs> Um, I can't remember who we, who's, who's beaten us this year. To be honest, let's um, say again against Spurs. Let's say it was against Spurs. Yes, yeah. unlikely, but okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh -huh. we did beat you at some stage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, so we find out what the worst game was. So, what was a mediocre game? What was one where you weren't very good, or you weren't very bad, or you just mediocre game? Yeah, I, again, I can't, I can't recall all the games, but I, I get what you so mean. Let's think, like a one-all draw yeah. sort of, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Let, let's say Brentford or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So now we've just created a scale, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, whose scale is that? Yeah, there's the pupils in it. Yeah, no, I like it. It's, it's good. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, we've now got a scale. And that person understands that scale. I, uh, I I can't understand why you even support Arsenal myself, <laughs> but it's 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 not it's not my scale. But it gives you a baseline to work to. 
yeah and i think there's a lot of stuff about scaling that people don't fully understand and the scale that we've got and we should be using is the one in the adi one which is the reflective log what went well what didn't go so well what are you going to do differently that's the scale mm -hmm. yeah but what what's what tends to happen is we try and make it more complicated than it needs to be yeah yeah i think for me and and, and you're linking it to it with this when you with those questions scaling <clears throat> and i didn't necessarily want this to become a scaling podcast but it but, but <laughs> let's go with it the i think for me scaling is not about the the number or the the football team or the heat or the temperature or the color or whatever you use it's a way to facilitate the conversation and so i think sometimes uh, those questions you were asking about what went well and stuff like that um the sometimes learners struggle with that whereas if you can give them something to anchor their feelings to so if they've said a four whatever that means um it it allows them to anchor their feelings to the four so what does four mean to you and and that's the key i think is is why how i would use use scaling in that scenario and i think that's where people get marked down for this competency because i would use scaling to facilitate the conversation whereas they're maybe using scaling as literally the number is important and matters and it doesn't yeah. add learning to the conversation and that's where you're going that's where you would get marked down for say using a tool for the sake of using the tool yeah yeah, yeah. i have to say right i have to say that um I've seen, I've heard examiners say they were no way an eight. You've, you've missed yeah. the point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I remember doing, because I used to do some uh, business coaching with young enterprise at my daughter's school. And uh, we were talking uh, about um, the, the, the show that they just put on. And I said, well, what's the score and she they said six and the teacher said no it's not it's not six it's more than that just shut up <laughs> that's that's not important let's let's find out what what the good stuff is and let's find out what you think you can improve and and this is about um this is about how we uh uh meet those needs with the pupil yeah um and their learning styles and how do we do that but of course we can't just take the competency in in isolation because all of this stuff goes back doesn't it so uh this links to were they encouraged to take responsibility uh for their learning yeah uh it talks about uh and so it also could link back to the goals and needs so discovering um how they learn um could could influence um how we teach them the error or, or work with them to solve the error or the misunderstanding which again goes and it's a, a it's a holistic thing it's not just one yeah. i think i don't think i've recorded one of these podcasts yet where the, mm. the person i'm talking to hasn't said it links to one of the other the, the other competencies yeah. because every competency links to some of the other competencies and and they That's all it. interlink yeah. together and and actually 
in a way when I do my training, I, I, I don't necessarily over, over go over the competencies. Like I know I'm doing a podcast about them, but um, because I, I think actually, if you just learn how to deliver good lessons and have good conversations, um you yeah. cover these competencies without even knowing them um i know yeah. um chris benstead sort of talks about that quite a lot he, i think he has like a two-hour zoom that he does with people on how to not that, that everything you need to not know about the competencies sort of kind of thing and and yeah. i think you can easily yeah. i think it's our job as trainers to know these inside out so that we can then simplify it for for a pdi mm-hmm. or an adi coming into the industry and and yeah sort of explain it in in terms that make sense just go and deliver deliver it on a lesson so on, on that note of sorry on that note of um uh, as saying the competencies are useless uh, <laughs> um okay. we'll um i think we'll, we'll wrap it up there because i think we've sort of had a quite meaty um chat about that competency and like you said it links with all the other ones as well and and um particularly i think the ones with that within the, the teaching and learning strategies um of, of, yeah. of that style so Andrew did you want to tell everyone um where they can find you and and what you've got on offer at the moment yeah so um you can find me at let's instruct uh so it's um Lydia on demand uh it, um uh, uh dot co uk um you can find me on facebook um and uh we i i get involved in quite a lot of train the trainer courses we've got one in march and one in may i uh work with uh adis and pdis uh to improve their skills um that's a, a, lots of, i do loads of things yeah yeah i'm always i'm always a, a good listener good yeah so if you need some advice yeah like yeah. And I, I'm, by the way, I'm in Northamptonshire in the Midlands, so yeah, yeah, easy, to, easy to access from quite a few places. Uh, yeah. Good mo- motorway yeah. network. Um, so, before we finish, then I always ask everyone for a um, top tip. And so, if you had one tip you could give to driving instructors, what would that be? Teaching skills are very important. But you must keep your driving skills and knowledge of the rules of the road up to date. And you should drive uh, in accordance to those. Because if you don't keep your driving standards up, it won't feel right when the learner is doing something wrong. So if you're straight lining around about, if you're harsh braking, yeah, and that is very important you've got to keep those skills up yeah absolutely i love that and i preach that myself but i i i love how you guys all, all come up with different stuff it's great um and yeah no brilliant that's a great way to end it um yeah go go improve your driving skills or, or update them mm. uh, absolutely so thank you very much for coming on and um sharing your knowledge and well, and time with us so yeah thank you very much brilliant fantastic Inspire Instructor Podcast, where the learning never stops.